And what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, it is time for some action. As uh, we continue our conference preview series today, looking at the MAC. And, you know, first and foremost, I do want to mention, you know, I had a podcast on Wednesday that came out, um, Tuesday night, Wednesday uh, morning uh, came out, and it talked about some scheduling things, and you know, Bellarmine has their schedule out. Um, so I do want to mention that I've heard um, from various people, and I, I've seen this reported, um, I think Inside World Cross reported this uh, a week or two weeks ago that the MAC is probably going to play a conference-only schedule. Um, I know there has been, that's been the communication between basically the teams and their, uh, within the teams and to the families as well, has been, it's conference-only. So that's what I I expect from the MAC. Um, And and so I do want to mention, like, that is that that's gonna make for some interesting things in this conference. Um, it, it's gonna be very intriguing because honestly, I don't feel like this year there's that big of a gap between like three and five, three and six. Like, like I don't think there's that big of a gap. I think the bottom two, and I'll go over my projected order of finish. Um, at the end of this pod, as I always do, but I I don't think the top tier and the bottom tier. I don't think that I think there's a gap between the top tier and bottom tier, obviously, but I don't think there's that big of a gap between kind of the upper mid and the lower mid tier in in the bottom tier. If you know, get what I'm saying, like I I think there's a lot of really good teams in this conference this year. I think there's a lot of teams that could surprise, that could maybe have some really good seasons that haven't had good seasons recently, or you know, you know we don't expect to pop off. Um, and and so I, th- I think with this conference being set up the way it is this year from a, a power structure, it's going to make it very very interesting um, this season. If indeed they do go conference only, like has been reported, uh, that'll be very, very interesting. I, I actually, I think I've talked about this. I think I talked about this back in September. I said, you know, conference only, you no, know, might actually be tougher for some of these mid-major conferences that don't have much of a power gap, um, you know, than it is for the ACC, the Big Ten, where, you know, not to say everyone's equal, but every team could certainly make the NCAA tournament um, playing conference games and conference games only. That's going to strengthen those teams. You know, conference only would only, um, you know, if the MAC, I don't think the MAC would get two teams in, but let's say they're on the verge of getting two teams in. Conference only, just like we've seen with conference tournaments in the past, 
have hindered or helped um, mid-major conferences get two teams in. It's a similar situation we'll end this year uh, with the MAC if they do indeed go conference only. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a grind. Um, you know how many games would it be? I don't know. Um, I I honestly could not tell you that right now. But if if they do indeed go conference only, which and you know I've said before, I I don't necessarily agree with that. But I understand the the protocols and the procedures. Um, you know it, it it will be. Very interesting to say the least. Now, as I do with all of these uh, preview podcasts, besides the Big Ten and the ACC and the Big East, um, I will go over one to three contenders and then kind of gloss over, give anecdotal things about some of the bottom teams. And so when you're talking about contenders in, in the MAC, you have to start with Marist. Uh, Coach Keegan Wilkinson has done a phenomenal job in building Marist to be one of the premier mid-majors, I would say. Um, you know, they're not a top-20 team every single season, but they're competing consistently within their conference, and you know they've won um, two MAC titles, 2015, in 2019, they're the defending MAC champions um, since we didn't have it last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so this is a team, and we know what they did last year. They beat Army, had that big upset over Army. Um, six, 17-9 victory. They... Was it they beat Binghamton, like blew the doors off them as expected in their opener. Played Richmond, number 19 Richmond, really, really well. And then Army was a top 10 team because they just blown out, um, who was it, UMass. And then they beat Rutgers back-to-back, I believe. And then come into, uh, is it Punxsutawney, how you pronounce it? Um, they're at Tierney Stadium, uh, one of the best venues in college across. Um, you know, a bucket list item for sure if you're a lacrosse fan is Tierney Stadium. I've never personally been there, but I've heard it's one of the best venues in college lacrosse to watch a game. We saw that crowd when they hosted that play-in game in 2019. And Marist, I think, this year could certainly, the, you know, they do have some losses. They They, they do. But... They do return a bit of talent, uh, including six seniors from last year's squad who have come back for a fifth year. Attackman Jake Wienerman and midfielder Gio Tierney. Obviously the top two names to know there as guys coming back, the biggest names coming back. Uh, John Constant is a midfielder as well as Wyatt Colangelo. Uh, Short stick defensive midfielder Jack Zawalski. And defenseman Sam uh, Aglim, believe is how you pronounce that. Um, again, I'm bad with pronunciations. Apologize. Um, he's coming back as well. So you have these six dudes coming back, mostly on the offensive end, 
and offensively is where this team has been really, really good over the past couple seasons. And when you look at Wienemann coming back and Tierney coming back, Wienemann led the, led the team in, in 16 goals last year, and then Tierney had 17 points, 10 goals, 7 assists, has been a stud since he stepped foot on campus. And then you also have uh, sophomore attackmen, Jojo Pereka and Jamison Imberley, uh, both uh, sophomores back um, again for 2021. Uh, had outstanding use last year. And they're back for their third season on campus. And this is an offense, especially at the attack spot, that I'm very high on. I know a lot of people that are very high on this offense at that attack spot. Um, And certainly with the returnees that they have, you also have some major impact dudes um, underclassmen at the midfield. Um, James Lyons uh, is back, and he looks, I think he's a guy that's going to trend upwards again here. Um, Inter Masoli, uh, it was the fifth leading uh, point getter last year um, as a junior. He's a guy that's going to be uh, you know, trend upwards as well. So it's not just an attack-based offense that we see from this team. They do have depth at that midfield spot, and I think, you know, and, and, and I've got the question from people um, who've talked to me about Marist over the offseason of, like, what did I think was going to happen? Because obviously, we know that they have that big loss um, at the phase-off dot with, with Peyton Smith, and, you know, people have asked me, you know, do, do I think that off it, that's going to affect this offense? And my answer has always been no, because you see the dudes they return, and it, it, it's really, really good players that they um, get back. Like, these are guys that have been here, have done, like, they've, they, they know how to win. They've been winning, their, not their entire career, because most has had some down years, but recently, I mean, this is a team that has won a lot, and these guys, they get back, the six guys coming back for the sixth year, and the underclassmen coming back, have most of them have been a part of this uh, this winning and, and this building of this culture that we've seen at Marist for the past couple of seasons. Now, defensively, you know, you know I do have some worries about their defense. Uh, Zwalski... Uh, you know, coming back is good. Um, the uh, Algim, the SS uh, DM, I, I like his game a lot, and then I do like uh, Kyle Stefoco, uh, who's a uh, junior defenseman coming back, as well as you had uh, Kurt Wessner, who was a freshman last year, uh, and he's coming back as well. Um, and you know, he, he was, I think, he had six, six ground balls, five caused turnover caused turnovers as a freshman. You see what he did then, and he can only up that. Um, and, and him coming back after a stellar freshman year is, I think is going to help. I think he's probably going to be the one guy that I'm looking at at this defense that can maybe take the biggest step from last year 
uh, to this year. And obviously, we didn't get a full year last year, but I think he can take a certain uh, step forward. And then Jack McGregor in cage, big fan of his. He had a 50% save percentage last year, uh, last year as a redshirt junior. And then I think a more overlooked piece of this defense is JT Roselle, who LSM, he led the team in ground balls, ground balls with 27, caused turnovers with 13. Um, and, and he's going to be a guy that, and that was a, he was a sophomore last year doing that. He's a guy getting him back, I think is might be the biggest um, retain. Uh, I keep on saying getting back, you know, like these guys were going to leave, but um, like, like they do, I think having him return is, is humongous for this team. I think, you know, if they would have lost um, Zawalski uh, t- to graduation, I, you know, I think you could have easily slipped Roselle into close. Uh, he's a very good defender. He is a guy who is a ground. He has a nose for the ball. That is always, always good in an offense. And this offense plays not fast-paced. Like, I know a lot of people, when I say fast-paced, they think Brown 2016, Albany. Like, that's what they think of. This team, they play fast-paced, but it's not that kind of style. Um, and and he does, can work in transition um, and, and be very effective. So I think having him come back is, is humongous for this team. And then, you know, I mentioned the departure of Peyton Smith at the faceoff dot. He was 11th, 11th in the nation and first in the MAC in faceoff percentage last season, uh, 65%. Uh, believe he was. Um, he, that's a big loss. Like that. I and and honestly, I do think getting these guys back on offense, these uh, uh, fifth year guys, and then getting some having some veteran leadership around some of these younger guys on defense is gonna help. Maybe because you know, look, Andrew Evans. Uh, you know, look what he did last year. He was forty seven percent. Seven to fifteen, he was the backup at the dot. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to replace Peyton Smith. I don't think anyone's going to step in and be Peyton Smith. That's just not going to happen. Um, so I do think having consistent veteran talent on both ends that is proven um, to not allow goals and to not um, allow turnovers. Just no, noy willy turnovers. Um, I, that's that's gonna be big for this team because I, you know, they're gonna be able to counter. Um, and and again, you know, maybe their faceoff um, percentage is is just as good. Maybe whoever they put there can be just as good as Peyton Smith. But if they're not. They do have those safety valves on both ends to limit uh, the opposing uh, possessions, which we've seen a lot of times um, recently, certainly with uh, the focus on the face-off position. Um, one guy just getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it, and just draining an entire team because their defense can't stop it, uh, forced turnover, 
and or the offense when they get the ball doesn't know what to do. That is not missed. So I, I, I obviously I think missed is head and shoulders the best team in this conference, without a doubt. The one team that I am a bit high, I'm higher on than most, is Quinnipiac. I think they will have a bounce back season. They were zero and six last year. It was the first year uh, under uh, w- with Mason Poley being the full time head coach there, and you know they were a bit younger, um, but you know within that youth, you saw a lot of promise. You saw a lot of talent, and they also have some veteran dudes around those younger guys last year that really showed, really flashed, and that have proven themselves in prior years. Um, Jake Tomisk is one of those guys. He was the Mac co-preseason player of the year, their biggest returner in general. 11 goals, 6 assists. The keys of this Quinnipiac offense lie in his hands. They lie in his hands. They were 59th. They had 9.3 goals per game last year. In today's game, 9 goals per game is unacceptable. And if this were, if the roles were reversed and this was football, that's a fireable performance. So, that and, and, and I do, and again, I've said with all these the rankings from last year in terms of statistics, remember, we didn't get a full season, so you can't put too much stock in it, but it does show where this team was um, when, the, when the season was canceled, and it does show kind of where they could go, uh, whether that be a positive or a negative in 2021, um, depending on returnees, uh, departures, and, and whatnot. I think this offense is going to go up. I, I do believe this offense is going to go up. Uh, Tomisk, obviously a great, great shooter. Uh, he's become more balanced, I think, over the past couple seasons. And then, you know, you also have Jake Tellers and John DeLucia, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, two sophomores on the attack spot. Um, played very well last year. Tellers was started in all six games as a freshman. Eight goals, four assists. He had a phenomenal performance, and he should only get better. Uh, DeLucia started uh, in five of those six games. Um, and I think both guys are going to really, really um, see some improvement this year. And then at the midfield, Will Abbott is the guy to know there. 11 goals, five assists. He's been the man at the midfield, um, certainly was last year, and, and I expect him to be this year as well. He was the second-leading point-getter last year and uh, will carry the brute of the work at that midfield spot. So, overall, like this offense, they weren't stellar last year, but they have the talent nonetheless. And this was a team, people forget, they were in the MAC title game in 2019. Now, they lost a lot of talent off that team, and that's why they dipped. But they had a lot of this talent 
Certainly not these guys that were freshmen last year, obviously, but these guys that are now juniors, they were on that team and they were making impacts as sophomores. Um, and obviously, sophomore, uh, yeah, as sophomores, as freshmen uh, on that 2019 squad. And they're now older and they went through last year in a winless season. I mean, you can't tell me that these guys who know how to win have seen winning happen at Quinnipiac are going to let them have a, uh, a, a, a piss-poor season again. Because I, I don't think that's going to happen. And when you look at it, like this team was not far off at all. Outside of their 20-9 defeat, over, uh, again, 20-9 defeat against Rutgers, which, hey, you're Quinnipiac. You're playing a top, top 20 team at the time in Rutgers. They were 16. I wouldn't expect you to win at all. I wouldn't expect you to, and they were lost 20 to 9. But outside of that, I believe the, and I, they lost by, okay, here's the stat. They lost by an average of 4.4 goals if you take out that loss. I think if you add in that loss, it's like an average of 7 or 8 goals, which still isn't bad when you consider you have one loss that is 11 point, that's an 11 point loss against a Big Ten top 20 team. That is not bad at all. Now, I mentioned this this really good offense that I think has a lot of promise. And then also, when you look at the face-off dot, I like what they got going there with George Dimitri. He should be the primary guy at the dot again. Um, he played very, very well last season. And then... In, in goal, you have uh, Nick DeMusio, who is a two-year starter. He's coming back. Um, you know, he when he was a freshman, he was a MAC All-Rookie selection. He played he, uh, 52% save percentage. Obviously, that was a full season, um, and they went to the MAC title game. And then last year, 47 save uh, percent save percentage um, from him last season in cage. And, uh, you know, it wasn't his best performance last year. Um, but, and it certainly wasn't what we saw from him his freshman year. But he still showed those flashes, especially against those teams that they were a bit closer to. Um, and, and he's probably going to get back on track of being a all-MAC, all-conference caliber player here in 2021. Now, this defense, this defense outside of uh, outside of the cage, you have uh, Matt D'Elia, who was the most disruptive pole last season. 16 ground balls, 6 caused turnovers. I love this dude's game. Um, from what I saw from him last year, he is the leader on the back end, and every, everybody's going to follow him. Um, and then you also have Devin uh, Nadio and then Matthew Federico, who um, are both back as well. And uh, Nadio being a junior and Federico uh, was a freshman uh, last season, I believe. Oh, no, they, they were both juniors. Both juniors, excuse me. Boyd Hall was a freshman last year. Um, who saw action? Who saw action and started in two games? 
So we'll see what he does this year. Um, where they put him at. Uh, C.J. Gallagher being a junior LSM that showed some promise last year as well. So this Quinnipiac team, like, they were 0-6 last year. But, like, as I mentioned, they have a lot of talent around this team that I, I think proves to me they're a title contender. They're a title contender in the MAC. I would put them right now, like, and I'll read you my full projected finish, but right now I have Marist 1, Quinnipiac 2. So those are kind of my top two teams in the conference. Um, and then, as you know, I always look at some potential um, dark horses, if you will. And I, I think... You know, I don't know if there's necessarily a team that I would put as a dark horse. I, I've talked about Siena in the past and how I do think they're an under-the-radar team coming into this season. Uh, but Detroit Mercy and Manhattan certainly have that uh, quality as well um, of, of potentially being a quote-unquote dark horse. Um, and I actually uh, interviewed coach, uh, Manhattan head coach Drew Kelleher back in April, I believe it was, um, to uh, when they had a bunch of dudes coming back. Um, I think at one point they had the most seniors coming back. Um, they have eight guys back. Eight guys back. Eight seniors back. That's a pretty big chunk of your team to return. Um, and they were a team that wasn't necessarily bad last year. You know, they have not made uh, the MAC tournament in quite some time. Um, I believe 2010 was the last time they made the MAC tournament. So they haven't been there in quite some time time. Um, last year, they were 3-3. Three and three. They beat NJIT 8-7. That's not a uh, not a glossy win, not a, a, a win to hold up uh, as, as far as what NJIT is right now. Uh, but a win is a win. And they also played Navy very well. And I can't. I don't have the schedule up, so I don't remember what their last, what their other two wins were. But they, I mean, they played very well. They played Bryant very well, and you know they showed last year specifically on defense. They're the nineteenth best penalty kill, man down, uh, in 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 D one last year. And they had a pretty good defense, a pretty solid defense. Um, they get back three key pieces of that defense from last year. Uh, Kelson Bornesco, uh, again, I'm bad with pronunciations, so apologize. And uh, defenseman slash LSM Rob Johnson, as well as short stick defensive midfielder CJ Scharf. All three of them dudes coming back. Um, and 
on top of that, you look at Brendan Krebs, what he's done in the in cage through his first couple seasons, and you know he is. What was he? He was first in the MAC and sixth in the nation in save percentage last season, fifty nine percent with eighty three saves. Um, he, he's been solid. Uh, been the starter for them for the past two seasons, going on a third. And so this is a Manhattan defense that I'm a very big fan of. I'm not completely sold on their offense, um, but I am sold on this defense is pretty dang good, um, and they can be good. And they're going to have to step it up because – Last year, they went 37% of the face-off dot. Or at least uh, Kyle uh, Kobleski did. So, you know, that's going to have to get better. And, you know, hopefully you'd hope that he, you would hope that he takes a step forward. But if he doesn't, this defense is going to have to continue to do play at the level they did last year, which was was pretty good. I mean, you're holding multiple teams to uh, single digits, if I remember correctly. And, and so it, it, it's going to be a team that, um, no, they won't, they're not, they are not going to, um, you know, walk up and scale anybody, but they're a team that's definitely going to, going to be respected, uh, certainly on that defensive end. And when you look at Detroit Mercy, you know, They've been right there with Marist, with Quinnipiac, the past couple seasons. Like um, in 2019, they were eight and seven. They got knocked out in the MAC semifinals by Marist. Um, and then in 2018 was when Canisius got hot. And they upset number one seeded Detroit Mercy in the MAC uh, semifinals. So they've taken two semifinal losses in a row. Um, and this is after tw- a 2016 season in which they went 2 and 10, and a 2017 season in which they went 5 and 11. They have completely flipped the script. Nine and seven, eight and seven, MAC tournament appearances in back-to-back full seasons, and they've been pretty good. Um, they were pretty solid last year, two and three. Uh, they had wins over Jacksonville and Bellarmine. Essentially, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. The, and, you know, I, I think this is a team that. They certainly have the ability to get back to that uh, conference tournament again here in 2021 and maybe pull off um, a win, which they haven't done in their past two trips. The biggest, biggest um, returnee that they get back is Alex Jarzembowski. Face-off man. He has been, and I've seen him, they came down here uh, to Louisville in, I believe, twenty, yeah, 2018. And then did they come down here last year as well, I believe? It might have been 2018. But 
But they, they've come down here multiple times and played Bellman, and I've seen firsthand Alex Jarzembowski. Um, I can tell you in both of those games was the reason they won. Was the reason they won. Everything else, they were pretty equal with Bellman in besides the faceoff dot and then in cage uh, with Logan Champlin. And so you have Jarzembowski who went 91 for 151 last season. He's gone, uh, so 60%. He's gone 57% over his career and his first overall in program history in face-off percentage. Humongous impact return. And is like he makes this team like run. He's the straw that stirs the drink, to use a uh, phrase there. Um, Logan Shamblin. 2019 Mac Defensive Player of the Year. So this is a dude that can ball. He he can ball. Um, last year didn't play too well. I uh, I will admit that. I don't think he played his. It was certainly not his best ball. 37 percent save uh, save percentage. And so coming into his senior year. You know, he's looking to get back to that 2019 self. Looking to get back to there. I think he can do that, certainly. Um, I've, I, I remember watching a couple Detroit Mercy games last year, and he the stats back it up as well. Like He didn't play very well, um, but he certainly still has the ability, the know-how, uh, to be an elite goaltender, at least in the MAC. So... The, the, the two specialist positions for Detroit Mercy, kind of, uh, I'm, I'm high on both them, both them dudes. I think they can, uh, you know, lean on that, and everything else will take care of itself. Uh, AJ Van, uh, Van Voorhis, I believe they pronounce it, um, junior attackman, uh, you know, one of the bigger uh, underclassmen coming back as well as uh, Brett Oskin and Kyle Waters, um, two attackmen uh, out of Ontario that have really been tearing it up on that offensive end. So this is a Detroit Mercy team that, um, you know, we'll see what they do, but they do have some potential. And then Siena. And, you know, I guess the biggest names you need to know are Dylan uh, Pantalone and then Jack Kiernan. Uh, Pantalone is a fifth-year guy. Kiernan is a senior. Both have been absolutely absolutely stellar in their career um, on the offensive end. And certainly this offense has really been revamped. They've had a resurgence under Liam Gleason, um, and I think that's going to continue here in 2021. And that that's part of the reason why I say Siena is a under-the-radar under the team nationally coming into the season. Um, you know, they were 2-4 and four when the season was canceled, beating LIU and NJIT. Um, 
and you know, but and obviously they didn't get to play a max schedule or whatever. Um, Siena they went six and seven, three and four in the MAC in 2019. That's after going three and nine overall in 2018. So, uh, in 2019 was Gleason's uh, first season. Um, so we've seen improvement already with Siena, and we're going to see improvement still with them uh, this year. You look at offensively, uh, 2018, they were, like, and, and really both his years, they've been around 30, like the mid-30s on shooting percentage, uh, goals per game, things of that nature. So that's a solid spot to be for Siena. This is an offense that, uh, you know, Gleason coming from Albany has a lot of those free-flowing principles uh, that he's taken from Scott Moore and uh, the Great Danes. And we'll see if that continues to progress over his time at Siena. Um, and, and But this is a program, once great program, under Brian Brecht that I think is being revitalized uh, to some extent under Liam Gleason, and I'm excited to see what they can do this year. Three, uh, excuse me, two teams I've not mentioned, Monmouth and Canisius and St. Bonaventure. And I'll say this. I'm, no, I, I don't, no, you know, Monmouth. I I do like their defense. They have a pretty experienced defense. Um, Canisius, I'm very skeptical of. Very skeptical of. Um, they lose Matthew Busanolti and Carter Stefaniak to graduation. They're very young. Very young team. They do have some experience. Otto Bergman um, and Cage was a freshman. So I do like what he's done there on uh, in Cage already. But outside of that, I'm not really excited for this team. Um, Jacob Buck is a solid player on the offense. And they have, I mentioned, uh, Bergman and Cage and some solid dudes on defense. But I'm really not that excited about this Canisius team. I'm very skeptical of if they can bounce back. Buck Michaud has done a good job there thus far, but this is going to be a tough year for them, especially if, like I said, you're complete, completely Mac schedule. You have to play Marist twice, those two losses already. Um you know, depending on how they do it. Back to Monmouth for a bit. You know, Dylan Smart being the one guy you need to know um, on offense there. He, um, 20 ground balls, 11 cost turnovers. Be the leader uh, of that offense again. And then uh, Connor... Cut Rice will also be back as well. 
both of those uh, guys are fifth-year guys. And this is an, a, a defense that was 26th best nationally last year, uh, allowing 10.6 goals per game. That's a solid number, um, and, and we'll see how they do. But offensively, I mean, I, I really don't know. They put up 6.8 goals last year. 6.8. 6.8. That's 62nd out of seven, uh, 72nd out of 75 teams. I think they can certainly be better, but I, I just don't know how much better they can be. And and same goes for Canisius. Like they're both in that boat of like, I think they can be better. Like I see the talent that they have, but are they gonna be better? Is 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 a different question. All is different than if. Um, you know, can um excuse me um Saint Bonaventure, Saint Bonaventure. This is a team that has yet to win a game. And that's really all I want to see for St. Bonaventure this year. I want to see them win a game. They have not won a game yet in their program's history. Coming into their third season, I want to see St. Bonaventure win a game. Just win a freaking game. Like, win a freaking game. I want you to win a game. Just like when Hampton comes back in 2022... I want y'all to win a D1 game. The, like it, it is good for the sport to see these new teams come in, be able to progress over a three- to five-year period, and finally get some momentum, get some traction going. It's the third year at St. Bonaventure. They've been close with some teams. Um, last year, there was a drastic improvement. They lost 13 to nothing to High Point in 2019, and then they lost by a score of 13 to 8 last year. Now, granted, Tim Troutner is not in cage for High Point anymore, and he wasn't last year. But still, you went from no goals to eight goals against what many would call a fringe top 20 team these past couple seasons. They've been good. You played a good team closer than you did the year prior. That is a improvement uh, for this squad, especially for a program that is building, is in their third year, entering their third year. You know, this, th- this defense was saw a lot of improvement last year. And it was probably the and I actually thought in year one their defense was the best, um, best asset, best asset, best part of this team. Should be um, the same thing here in twenty twenty one, with guys like Nick Conklin back, uh, redshirt sophomore uh, who led the team in, in ground balls and caused turnovers last season, as well as some other dudes. Uh, that should be able to make uh, a pretty good impact. Um, now I mentioned we saw increased performance on defense. Hopefully that translates to offense this year for the Bonnies. 
So that's all I kind of got on these teams. I mentioned broke down Marist and Quinnipiac pretty, pretty holistically. And then kind of went over some anecdotal things from some other teams, went in more in depth than others than, than some. But, um, you know, again, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, scheduling if they do go conference only. I think it will be tough for some of these teams like a Monmouth, Canisius, St. Bonaventure, um, and heck, even a Siena, Man- Manhattan that maybe thought they had um, some special cooking that you now got to face uh, the top team in your conference twice, um, depending on how they do the scheduling. So, you know, we'll see how things shake out. But um, here's my projected order of finish. Number one, Marist. Two, Quinnipiac. Three, Detroit Mercy. Got to be honest. Four and five, you could flip. Right now I have Manhattan and Siena in that order. But it could easily be Siena Manhattan. Um, I went back and forth on that multiple times. Six, seven, eight is Monmouth, Canisius, St. Bonaventure. I think that's a pretty easy, uh, easy bottom three there um, coming into the 2021 season. So there you have it: Marist, Quinnipiac, Detroit Mercy, Manhattan, Siena. Monmouth, Canisius, St. Bonaventure. In that order is my projected order of finish for the MAC. Again, thank you all for tuning in and listening. You can subscribe on whatever platform you all are listening to this episode on. iTunes, Google, Spotify, uh, multiple others that I have no clue what they are. You can leave a five-star review on iTunes. Um, Apple's the only one that allows reviews. Um, I, I didn't know that. Um, Apple is the only one that allows reviews, so you can't do that on Google or Spotify, but you can on Apple. Leave a five-star review. Go check out whatcostbucket.com. We have a lot of stuff coming up on the site um, in the next few days. Uh, again, you, know, you saw my Bellerman uh, schedule preview. Uh, we'll be doing those for every team that releases their schedule. Always recruiting stuff going on, and um, pretty big article coming up on. Well, it will be out by the time y'all are listening to this. Uh, my power rankings one to seventy-five Division One men's teams coming into the twenty twenty-one season. Again, thank y'all for listening. Um, you can connect with us. Said the website already, lacrossebucket.com, social media, at lacrossebucket, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my personal, at Tanner underscore Dimling. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of the week.